Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader. We're continuing to talk about growth in godliness. I want to start with a question. What do you do with your keys when you get home? Think about it for a second. Most of us have some sort of habit, some sort of location we place our keys when we get home. And what happens to me a lot of times is if something breaks up my pattern when I walk through the door, either if I'm carrying a lot of stuff, um, then my keys get lost. And the reason they get lost is because I have certain habits. I, I just always put my keys on the hook behind the door when I walk in. But if my hands are full and I can't do that, I'll lose my keys. And the reason is because that's something I do mindlessly. I don't have to think about it because it's become a habit. When, when you develop habits of thought, it's going to become natural. It's not something you need to make yourself do. It becomes the way that your mind focuses without even thinking about that's where your mind goes. So when I walk through the door, my mind automatically knows I hang my keys on the hook behind the door. Do you know we need to create spiritual habits of mind to help us grow in godliness? It tells us this in Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Your mind will walk the path of your meditations. I want you to think about that for a second. What you meditate on, what you focus your mind on, is where your brain is going to naturally navigate. When you're in crisis, if you've been practicing the habit of thinking about what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, if you've been going through this, and that's where your brain is going to go when you're tempted to grumble or complain, when you're tempted to despair, when you're tempted towards anxiety, your brain is going to take you towards thinking about what's true, honorable, just, pure. What Paul is telling us in Philippians 4 is that these concepts that we're supposed to focus our brain on are the filter through which we're supposed to think about the world. This is how you develop a biblical worldview. In order to develop a biblical worldview, you need to memorize Philippians 4.8, and you need to meditate on these things. And what this means, it means you think through everything in your life biblically. You filter it through these things right here. Now, this isn't, this isn't a license to ignore what's evil in the world. This isn't a license to just sort of turn away to all of the chaos and the problems that surround us. It's rather to look directly at those problems and then filter them through this filter. So what's the very first thing he tells us to focus on? Whatever is true. Now, the, the Greek word there is alithes, alithes, and it means literally to love the truth or to speak the truth. And so what this means is as you're looking at the world and you're seeing all their lies, it should bother you. It should irritate you because you love the truth. But here's what you need to remember. Truth wins. What you know is true, that's what will prevail in the end. So we don't need to despair about lies. Instead, we focus our mind on what is true. So when the world starts saying that gender is just a mental construct, we know what's true. 
we know it's God's biological design, and we're not going to go against what God has said. When the world starts saying that our Christianity is offensive, we know what's true. Jesus has promised us the world is going to hate you. It hated me. It's going to hate you. We know that this is true. The second filter that we go through is honorable. Honorable. The word here for honorable is the Greek word semnos. Semnos. And it means literally to be venerated in character. It means to have a character that other people look up to. You know, it's amazing that we can be in the middle of a society that is rejecting us, that is repulsed by us, and we can still have honorable conduct. We can still be consistent with our character. And we need to think about that in the middle of a society, in the middle of a perverse and crooked generation. How do we have honorable conduct? What does it look like to be consistent? What this means is that we don't lie, cheat, and steal the way the rest of the world does. It means that we're consistent in the way that we follow rulers and authorities. It means that we're, we're considering our conduct and our way of life, and we're thinking about how it affects people around us. We're loving our neighbor. We're loving them well. The next word here is the word just. It's the Greek word dikaios, dikaios. And it means equitable or holy. What's, what's right in your character? Are you living righteously? What's the just way to respond? And justice is not defined by the world. The world defines justice socially. Justice is absolute. It's not a social construct. Justice comes to us from God's word. And we see repeatedly in God's word that we are to minister to the least of these. We are to reach out to the hurting. We see that we need to be careful that we don't side with the rich. It says it's difficult for the rich to enter into the kingdom. We need to make sure that we're not willing to be rich, that we're not pursuing that. And we need to make sure that when we hire somebody, we're giving them an equitable pay. We're taking care of their needs. We need to make sure that we're speaking up for the defenseless. But all of this justice doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from society. It comes from God's word. You take what you have and you share it like who? Remember? The Good Samaritan. Remember what Jesus said? Love your neighbor. What's the answer? It's the hurting people that you come across those are your neighbors, and you need to love them well, even when they might be somebody who's opposed to you in society, you love them well. The next word here is pure, pure. It's the Greek word hognos, hognos. Um, It means to be pure from every fault, immaculate or clean. You're diligent to make sure that you're not stained with the same sins of the world, that you're not falling into the same trap. There's there's a lot of reactionary sins that Christians in our society can fall into, where we respond to the same sort of hate, vitriol, and bitterness that the world shows us. What are we supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. Now, you're speaking the truth, but you're speaking that truth in love. The next word here is the word lovely. Lovely comes from the Greek word prosphiles, prosphiles, and it means literally to be friendly towards. It means to be acceptable, pleasing towards other people. Are you friendly towards people who hate you? Are you friendly towards people who dislike you because of your views? You should be. You need to be thinking about how to interact with the world in a friendly way. Then he says, whatever is 
commendable. Commendable is the Greek word euphemos. Euphemos. It means uttering words of good messages. It means that what comes out of your mouth is positive. It's good. It's going to bless the hearers. And it's truth. But you're speaking truth in a favorable way. You're saying it in a way that people can hear. You know, the gospel is offensive, but it's the only thing that should be offensive when we share it. And what I mean by that is there's a way to share with people that they're sinners in need of a savior that's commendable. You tell them, I care about you and love you. And because of that, I'm concerned about your eternal soul. Because of your sins, there's a consequence. But Jesus paid the price because God loves the world. And he made a way for you to be forgiven. Can I share with you how you could be forgiven? You know, that's the commendable way of sharing the truth that the world hates to hear. But we're responsible to filter what we see in our society through this and to focus on these things. He says then, whatever is of moral excellence. This means a a virtuous course of thought, feeling, or action. It means to have virtue, moral goodness, modesty, purity. You need to think about, am I being morally excellent? Am I consistent across the board? Am I inconsistent with my convictions? Am I the same with everything? The world should have nothing that they can hold against us except what is opposed to God's word. They should not be able to accuse us of hating sinners. They should only be able to accuse us of hating sin because we are morally excellent. And the last thing is praise Worthy. Whatever is praiseworthy. This is apenos. Apenos. This means to have commendable actions. It means that you live in a way that the watching world can say, that's good. That's worthy of honor. That should be rewarded. Now, it's not because you're seeking to be seen by man. Rather, you're doing your work so that they're going to turn and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So your goal is not to gain praise. You don't want to be a people pleaser, but you want to gain glory for your heavenly Father. That's your goal. And then what do you do? He says, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. Focus your mind on these things. The the symptom, though, of, of doing that, if you're dwelling on these things, if you're meditating on whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, if you're doing this, then what's going to happen? It's going to affect your outward disposition. Your inward thoughts affect your outward disposition. And this is why he says earlier in Philippians, in chapter 2, verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing, arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ, I didn't run or labor for nothing. You see, think about this society that the Philippians dwelt among. They're a crooked and perverted generation. That's the kind of people that we live among. But what does Paul say they need to do in order to shine like stars? They need to not grumble or argue. Some versions say grumble or complain. That's how you shine bright. You don't respond to all the perverseness, to all the crookedness in the world with grumbling and arguing. You don't do the same thing the world does. Instead, you focus your mind on what is lovely, what is 
pure, what is true, what is honorable. You focus on those things, and it's going to affect your outward disposition. The way that you interact with the world is going to be shaped by what you're focusing your mind on. Your outer disposition will reveal your inward thoughts. Grumbling and complaining are a result of not keeping your mind on these things. Understand this. Grumbling and complaining, it damages your witness to the watching world, and it dulls your light. You're supposed to shine bright in the middle of a dark world. You shouldn't look like the world. You shouldn't fall into the same traps. You should stand out because you don't join the conversation of national grumbling and arguing. You don't respond like the rest of the world. You look different. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't see the evils in the world. You're not just some sort of Pollyanna-like character who just ignores everything evil in order to try to pretend like everything is good. But at the same time, as you see those things, you remind yourself your hope is in God. I love the way the psalmist does this in different psalms. In Psalm 42, the psalmist writes, Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God. I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. When your soul is dejected because of the crooked and perverse generation, get your eyes on God. There's nothing more lovely, pure, honorable, true. Focus your mind on him. Hope in him. Understand that truth wins. God rules. God is going to see his perfect justice executed in the end. This is what you hope in. The other psalm that I like to go to is Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, the psalmist is looking at all the despicable actions of the world that surrounds him. He's thinking about the crooked and perverse generation. He's thinking about all the ills in the world. And what it looks like, it looks like evil people get away with it. Over and over again, they get away with it. They get rich off of abuse, off of lies, and he's despairing. But then he says this, I love this, in verse 16, When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. He says, when I entered into God's presence, then I understood. You see, if you have a temporal perspective, if you're just looking at the world around you, it can look like everything's falling apart. But when you lift your eyes heavenward and you focus your mind on God, on what is true, then you realize their end is going to be terrible. They're going to be judged. God's justice is going to be executed, and and many of these people who are living these horrible, sinful lives are going to burn in hell forever. Your heart should break for them. You shouldn't be angry at them. They're going to be punished for what they have done. We should stand back cover our mouths and tremble because God's justice is going to be done. Have an eternal perspective as you fix your hold firmly on the word of life. Hold tight to God's promises. Understand what his truth is. Hold firm to the word of life. Now let me ask you a couple questions. Do you live by what Jesus says or by what political commentators say? Do you meditate more on the word of God or on the word of the world? What is your mind fixed on? What are your eyes drawn to? What are your days consumed with? 
Are you fixing your eyes on God's word? Well, you know what? There's going to be hope. There's going to be an outward disposition. It's going to be radical because your mind is fixed on whatever is true, lovely, pure. But what I find is a lot of American Christians are not fixing their minds on what's pure. They're fixing my, their minds on what's wrong with the world, and they're despairing because they're not going into the sanctuary. They're not spending time in the presence of their Savior. And if you do that, it's going to affect your outward disposition. You're not going to be a person who's grumbling or arguing. You cannot grow as a Christian. You cannot grow in godliness if you're not disciplining your mind to meditate in whatever is true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, morally excellent, or praiseworthy. Remember this. Your mind will walk the paths of your meditations. Create a habit of mind where you go to God's Word where you go to the Lord in prayer, where you're daily on your knees and in his word, creating patterns in your mind that your thoughts can walk down. Think on these things. Thank you for listening to me today.